but a tick got him. Tick control medication in those days wasn't as good as it is now, and while I checked him every day, the thickness of Border Collie's coats makes detecting ticks difficult. I wish I could replay that time and search and search him until I found that deadly parasite. I rushed him to the vet as soon as he showed symptoms, but by then it was already too late. Having said that, while the vet took every step he thought reasonable, and I agreed at the time, I am much more questioning now and much more forceful as an advocate for my animal's care. In hindsight, I made more mistakes training Sonny than with any other dog I've ever owned. I'd do it so differently if I had the chance. But it didn't matter how many things I got wrong, he rose above them all. He was a born champion who had excelled at every challenge he was given. It was a very big loss. I still had Hot Dog, of course, and I might have waited a while longer to get another dog, but my girls were extremely keen to have a puppy. My bond with Sonny had been so strong that I didn't want to get another border collie. He was irreplaceable, so I thought it would be better to get a different breed of dog entirely. But a friend of mine had a dog called Casper, who had been sired by Sonny and inherited his abilities, becoming so highly successful in both obedience and agility competitions that he was the most titled border collie in the world at one point. Casper, in turn, had fathered a litter, and when the girls found out about these puppies, that was it. They were desperate that we should get one. I resisted, but they pestered and charmed. Well, what chance does a father have? We got one of the puppies. His kennel name was Gotra McAllister's lad, but he was Bobby to us. He proved to be a brilliant dog, though quite different from Sonny. The best way to describe it is that Bobby was a real thinker. Strange as that sounds, he was extremely clever, and you could stand there and watch him seemingly reason things out, at least as far as dogs can be said to employ reason. He also had a sneaky streak. If you called him and he thought you couldn't see him, he would often just ignore you, but if he knew you were within his sight line, he'd come straight to you. But he was exceptionally lovable. In fact, Diane who tolerated most dogs rather than sharing my feelings for them, took strongly to him. Over time, I took Bobby to CDX level in obedience competition and, like his grandfather, he became a favourite of ad agencies and their clients. Perhaps his most famous commercial was the one the Meat and Livestock Corporation ran to change the way people thought about lamb by selling it without fat and bone under the name Trim Lamb. The ad was done like a modern take on a silent movie, with a corner shop butcher trying to convince the sceptical women who tap on his shop window that his appealing display really is lamb. With the window between them, neither side can hear the other, and the dialogue is shown in subtitles. My dog's big moment provided the smile at the end of the ad. The butcher finally succeeds in getting the message across to a woman who then happily enters his shop. Her place at the window is taken by Bobby, who goes from hopeful to downcast when the butcher kindly shakes his head and mouths, no bone. It wasn't too long after we got Bobby that I received a phone call from a gentleman called Bob Biggs, who, with his wife, Hanny, owned a pet boarding kennel they'd named Hanrob, located in Heathcote on Sydney's southern edge. As well as caring for dogs while their owners were away, 
Bob and Hanny wanted to offer dog training as an optional extra. Bob had heard about me and was ringing to see if I was interested in going to Hanrob to work as a trainer. As much as the idea tempted me, it was a big decision. For one thing, making the leap would mean giving up the employer-supplied house my family lived in. Moving house might well mean the girls would need to move schools. And while I could tell right from the start that Bob was a good man, at that stage his business was still quite small. So he and I agreed that rather than quitting my existing job and moving there full-time straight away, I would work some hours training down at Hanrob around my existing commitments and would see where it led us. On the days when I didn't have to work as a doorman at the Leagues Club, I would finish my greenkeeping job mid-afternoon, then tear down to Heathcote and start training dogs, often going until 11 at night, using a torch tied to a tree for light.